Hey everyone, it's Sussed from the Mexican Soccer Show. Uh, quick note before today's pod, uh, for whatever reason, Skype wasn't working for me, Zoom wasn't working for me, um, I had some serious tactical difficulties and our poor guest, uh, Hercules Gomez, had to wait almost a full hour before I just decided to just throw everything away and just go the old school route and record the pod from earlier today over by phone. So yeah, anyone who has recorded pods, they probably know the agony of troubleshooting <laughs> So apologies over the audio and length. Um, this will be a shorter league and preview than usual, but it's still a fantastic one. You know, many thanks to Herc uh, again for, for giving us his thoughts. But hope you enjoy. Uh, apologies for the audio that's coming from my phone and uh, not my fancy mic. Welcome to another episode of the Liga Mechas Preview, brought to you by the Mexican Soccer Show. Today we're going to dive into the champions, Leon Tecnon Cruz Azul, Chivas looking to get another much-needed win, America rebounding after having three points controversially taken away, and at the end of the pod, we'll share my recent conversation with Guerrero's Joe Gallardo as well. But before we get into that, let me first introduce my guest. Today I'm joined by former Liga Mechas player and current ESPN analyst Hercules Gomez. Hercules, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I said I'm excited to be here. And uh, quick shout out to to Herc because uh, we get a little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, for some odd reason, Skype wasn't working. For some odd reason, Zoom wasn't working. I told <laughs> Herc we'd be recording at nine o'clock. It's nine forty-five, and he's still recording with you. So Herc, shout out to you and thanks, man. For, no worries. Thanks, man. Technical for, difficulties. Yeah, for putting up with me and for putting up with technology. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, Herc, uh, I was about to, you know, our, our usual intro is just about the three, uh, questions for our guests and other guests before you, they usually don't know the questions that, uh, that I usually ask them, but you, we already, uh, we already chatted about these three questions. So now these three questions are going to be a surprise. So you even have a little bit of a time to prep for these, but well, Herc, I only heard one question actually. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, Herc, uh, so let's uh, let's dive into uh, let's dive into a, a question for you. Like, uh, and I think I want to start with, you know, I, I think it was his birthday just a few days ago, and I, I got to ask about Duca Ferretti, and more specifically, yeah. I want to ask you about the viral video from a few years back of him absolutely losing his mind during training before he himself steps into training and seems to hit what is a perfectly timed volley into the back of the net. And just to confirm, since you were there, this also might break our hearts when we hear the answer, but I heard a rumor that Duke actually missed the target. Yeah, so that was my first day. Like, I had gotten there, and we did it three days, and the first session of the day was Campestre, so you're on a golf course, and it's just pretty much long distance running at 7 a.m. Then you would go and have breakfast, and then you would chill for like an hour, hour or two, and then you would have a beach session, a session for Potencia, you know, so now it's like a good burn on the legs, and you're doing nothing but like quick, you know, sprints and, and quick just, you know, uh, uh, getting the legs just with a flush of blood, anything that makes them feel heavy. And we did that for about a good 45 minutes to an hour. So it's just two physical sessions. And then, you know, you go have lunch and you re relax and you rest. And then the third session is a tactical session. You finally get to see the ball. This is my first session or first day, I should say. Um, and throughout the day, I just heard from the guys, you know, el viejo, eh, el viejo se, se vuelve loco, de repente, you know, like, Duca loses it every once in a while, and I'm like, these guys are messing with me, because Duca's been nothing but nice to me, he's like, Gomez, how you doing, how's your family, where are you thinking of living, you know, et cetera, et cetera, so I'm thinking these guys are messing with me, 
we get to the fifth, or sorry, the third session, five o'clock, final session of the day. And so at the last 15 minutes, the defenders and forwards split up, defenders on one side of the uh, side of the field, the, the you know, forwards on the other. And it's, it's this little drill where there's two sides on the 18, one side is crossing, the other side is finishing. It's like, take a touch with your left foot, you know, send the ball with your right, uh, finish one touch volley or bring it down and finish quickly. We've got no legs. My first day, I've got zero legs um, and things aren't going well. We've got U17 and U20 players that they brought up to fill numbers in this preseason like they normally do. And these kids are so nervous. They're nervous because it's Tuca Ferretti. They're nervous because it's Junior. They're nervous because it's Damian Alvarez. They're nervous because it's Tovia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one after the other, they just can't get it right. And Tuca starts losing it. And Tuca starts yelling at these kids, and he starts telling them, you got to put the ball here, you got to do it this way, and it just makes them even more nervous. And in one of the plays, Tuca turns his head right when he says, play it! And this takes a touch, and he hits it, and he hits it hard. But you, it's like one of those strikes where you're like, and you're like, oh, okay. And then it just starts veering, and you he, see it, boom, hit the back of Tuca's head, and he loses it. Tuca starts losing it, and that's when he, in the part of the video you see him starts yelling, it's not there, it's not here, it's here. And he tells Tito V, I believe, to play the ball. Uh, I think it was Tito who played the ball. And Tuca goes and he strikes it. And he's like, and I've got a, you know, I've got a prosthetic hip, you know, and this and that. And, and people in the video are like, look, if that guy 60-plus years can do it, how come these guys can't do it? You know, and they're thinking, look how well he hit it. Yeah, it looked well on video because you don't see where it ended up. I was there. That thing ended up for a throwing. It made him even more angry. He was even more upset. He leaves. Estos bojos, delanteros bojos, you know, complaining to the to the defenders about us. And it's funny because everybody who was there that I still talk to to this day will tell you, that thing went out of bounds for a throw-in. That thing missed <laughs> by a wide margin. But there were reporters there to this day that think he made it, think he hit it sweetly into the side netting. I've heard all these crazy reports, and I'm like, what are you guys talking about? We still, we, amongst the players who were there, we still laugh about it today. Oh man. Oh man, I love that. I mean it breaks our heart, but I love that hurt. But anyways, we got we got limited amount of time here, but let's dive into Leon versus Cruz Azul, the first big batch of the weekend. And her for you you know, do do Leon begin to show some problems again? Do you think they're gonna make a statement against a team with five wins in a row like Cruz Azul? What comes to mind when you think of this game? Um you know what? I think about games in the past, uh, between Leon and Cruz Azul and how tight they've been. Um, and how it's been like a Cruz Azul who's gotten the better. It's been maybe one game Leon who's gotten the better. But overall, in the last couple of years, these are the two most consistent teams in Liga MX. Um, before the pandemic hit and when the season was cut short, I mean, it was Cruz Azul, I believe, 21 points to Leon's one deep, if I'm not mistaken. It was that close. So these are two very consistent teams. One of them is consistency this year. The other has not. The other uh, is Leon. And they've been kind of struggling, showing, if you will, a little wear and tear, which is normal when you go, I don't want to say campeonitis, but when you go far in what is a regular season and then into a playoff run, if you're one of the final two teams standing, it's not a surprise to see one of those games. I'm just ready for a break where maybe you get one or two weeks. Some of those players may go on a national team leave, so they get zero amount of time. Um, it's emotionally draining. Uh, so I'm not surprised. What I am surprised to see is maybe the problems that 
that have surfaced for Leon. Um, Pedro Aquino leaves. He's a huge part of, of why they were successful. Uh, they've maybe not been able to recoup that that ability in the center of the park. You know, somebody next to Chapo uh, Montes. You know, Chapito Montes is, was a teammate of mine in Pachuca. He's a very special player, and he's had a rebirth at this new position as this doble pivote. But you don't want him to be the only guy trying to have bite, especially at 34-plus years old. You know, you want him saving his legs for maybe what he's good at, creating, maybe what he's good at, being a difference maker on that side of the ball. Um, and then Rodolfo Cota. I mean, say what you want about Blanco starting to maybe right. um, what is this, you know, uh, Nacho Ambriz saying we want to rotate uh, goalkeepers. But that wasn't a rotation. That was Blanco's role for three games. And yeah. that was Cota on the bench. And, and, and for being one of the better goalkeepers in the last year, couple of years, maybe three years in, in what is Liga Mekis, that's concerning, and they can say whatever he wants about it, maybe being nothing to do with with what's going on on the field. But you speak to the players, and they will tell you it was a tactical decision and Nacho's decision. So something's going on there. Maybe there's something more to the story. There are rumors about you know them not being happy um, with the way uh, things have surfaced about his love for Guadalajara or, or maybe the opportunity of him leaving or maybe not resigning. There are all these different kinds of things that happen in Liga Mekis that we could throw a dart at and maybe that could be it. Um, we don't want to speculate, but there's something there. There's something there for sure. So that's that's worrisome. Um, but Cruz Azul is a story this season. Yeah. Cruz Azul is a story. I mean, how could they not be? This is a team um, that when the season was about to start and, and Juan Reynoso was named as coach, there were pundits who were like, he's not good enough to be the coach. He's not a big enough name. They should not hire him. He should not be the coach of Cruz Azul. This is going to be a disaster. This is going to be awful. There were those who, who week two versus Puebla when he lost, when they lost 1-0 without Cabecita, um, uh, without uh, – oh, actually, he came on as a sub. But it was he didn't start because of that uh, video that surfaced, uh, him and his, you know, Ropa de Concentración partying like at 3, 4 a.m the night before or <laughs> nights before yeah. uh, with, without Pablo Aguilar, without Luis Romo, who's three very important players missing the starting lineup, and they lose to Puebla. We're ready to throw in the towel. We're ready to ask for a set and fire him. You know, They stay with Juan Reynoso. Cabecita comes back. He looks better than ever. Uh, Luis Romo had this incredible run um, in, in Liga MX where he's asking for a national team spot. And, and honestly, if you ask me today who I'd rather, Edson or Luis Romo, Edson Alvarez or Luis Romo, I would say I want Luis Romo oh, ahead of Edson. Wow. Easily, easily. He's just a much more disciplined player. I think Edson at times gets himself into too much trouble in a position where you have to be much of a safer choice, much more um, secure with the ball and with your positioning. I mean, Luis Romo is that. And something on the offense, he was an assist leader last year. He was one of the top guys in the game. Every once in a while, he gets his goal. So, um, Cruz Azul is the story. Cruz Azul will continue the story um, to be the story uh, <laughs> heading into what is the playoffs uh, because of the amount of pressure they have, because uh, they're going on 20-something years without a league title, because uh, they're one of the you know cuatro grandes. They will continue to be the story, um, and people will continue to doubt them, but they've been an underwater surface-level story. They've not been the story for pundits this year. There's always been something else that's kept them from being the story. Um, and I think that's a good thing for them.
most definitely 100% agree. Definitely keep an eye on Luis Romo. I'm definitely a big fan of him. But let's move on to Sunday's game versus Chivas versus Pumas. I mean, Herc, this should – well, you know what? Here's a question. Am I foolish for including this game? Because it could very well be a dismal 0-0 draw, you know. Or, and maybe I'm just looking at the two big names like, ooh, this should be a fascinating one. Or – Will one of these league giants finally start to pick themselves back up? Because I had high hopes for Pumas with their with their young squad, and then it hasn't exactly been this exciting time for them recently. And Chivas, it's just I don't know they're 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 unreliable, you know. And I think I think a lot of what's happened to them this season, you could see in their last game against Pachuca, where they had a fantastic first half, and then things kind of fell apart in the second half there. Yeah, I think teams are figuring out Chivas. They're a team that does very well in transition. If they don't have the open spaces, if they're horses per se, they're caballos like Alexis Vega or Uriel Antuna, um, when he's on the field, if these guys can't have open space uh, to get in behind, to be effective, uh, if they have to combine, if they have to create uh, with defenders who are already sitting in, it's very difficult for them. They're being they're being figured out, and that's the problem. They're not good enough offensively um, without the open space. And what was their bread and butter last year being good defensively? They're not good defensively this year. They're they're one of the worst defensive teams. They've got 11 goals against. Uh, and you can read into that what you will, but it's not the same squad. And Vucetich's teams, uh, a staple of, of his team has always been how good they are to play against defensively. That's not this Chivas team. I don't know how many goals uh, they can keep out or they can score. But on the other side of the field, I will tell you, Bumas doesn't look promising. Yeah. Bumas is a team that has five goals. I'm sorry, five goals against are a very good defensive team. Very good defensive team this year. But they've got three goals for. They're the worst offensive team in the league. Now, you can say, well, listen, man, they lost Charlie Gonzalez. And I say, that's fair. Fair criticism. But Charlie Gonzalez was coming off his worst statistical year yeah. last season. And they were subcampeones. Donino, I know he's been injured. Uh, he's been in and out of the lineup. That makes a big difference. But the reality is, this is closer to their reality. The last time, let's not include this last season, which was uh, not the norm for them. Uh, they made it to the to to the finals. They lost to Leon to a better team. They had an incredible game against Cruz Azul where they came back. Let's not let's take this tournament out. Sans last season, mm-hmm. the last time Pumas was in the Liga was Apertura 2019. That's more the reality. This is a yeah. team uh, no tiene recursos. They don't have the resources that other teams have, especially for a big four. They don't have the money. Their players are sought out on loan. Um, they look for players that are bargain players. This is why you, they get MLS players. Good finds. And Buffalo Salcedo is a great little find. Oh, yeah. uh, Alvarez yeah. was a good, savvy little pickup. But Alvarez was a two-bit player with the Galaxy. You know, People forget that. It's, it's not like they're going out and, and they're getting – um, the elite in Liga Mekis or the elite elsewhere. They're trying to be savvy about the way they do things because they have no money. Um, this is closer to their reality. You could say they lost Mayorga, they lost Iniestra. Iniestra didn't really play for them that much last year. He wasn't really a consistent starter. And Mayorga, have you seen him with Chivas? It's not like they're missing much. Uh, I, I think this is a team that's playing closer to their reality. And Lilini, to me, is the second coming of Piojo Herrera with the amount of interviews he loves to do. I see him everywhere. He will give anybody an interview, Cesar. If you reach out to him, he will give you an He gives everybody an interview like Piojo Herrera, but he doesn't realize maybe right now is not the time 
to get your name out there. Maybe right now it's perfil bajo. Maybe it's right now it's get to work. It's back to the basics because this team isn't good enough. Yeah, and honestly, not sure how you feel about XG, but the numbers have been really worrisome when you look at XG for, for Pumas. They're just consistently really, really low week in and week out. But, Eric, let's let's move on to our, our, our final big match of the weekend. It's uh, America versus Pachuca on Saturday. And, Herc, what are the odds of America using an unauthorized player on their back? No, I'm just kidding. So, just <laughs> kidding. But, seriously, that has to motivate America, right? After losing three points, that would motivate me. I, 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 uh, you know what? I don't know if it's motivation. You don't think so? Um, okay, yeah. I, I don't know if it's motivation is the right word. Um, this is the, it's historical, by the way, because the narrative for so long was that Club America and the television station that runs them ran Mexican soccer for the longest time. That was the narrative. Mm-hmm. So now we could throw that out the window, right? Because there's no way if that was the truth, they would have let this happen. The, these three points wouldn't have stuck. I mean – Reglamentos, reglamentos, rules are rules, rules, that's what we keep hearing, fine. Club America had Andres Ibarwin on their bench week one. He's now part of the Santos team. If rules are rules, that would, and he would have not been sold to Santos. He would have not been on their squad this season. Um, I don't understand how it's okay for one and not the other. I, I applaud them enforcing portion of rule, that's great. But you can't pick and choose when is the stupidest of rules, but it's still a rule. Anyone to blame are Club America. Uh, according to John Sutcliffe, um, they sent a list out with a picture via WhatsApp. And when the person got who was supposed to transcribe the names got this list via WhatsApp, didn't open the picture. So it cut off one name. <laughs> We're really going to blame this on WhatsApp. <laughs> All he had to do was click the picture, and all the names pop up. He didn't, and he missed one name. That's an error on their side. They're the only ones to blame. It's a rule. I think it's a stupid rule, but it continues to be a rule. Now, you don't want to be the team that loses to Pachuca. You don't want to be the team that loses to this Pachuca. Zero wins, three goals, four. They can't hit the broadside of a barn. Quiroga. Giroga looks like a shell of himself, not the same player he was in Ecaxa, not even close to who he was in San Luis last year, who wasn't very good either. He, he's got some abysmal misses. Uh, Pachuca is a team that doesn't play well at home, on the road. Um, they create tons, but they just can't put the ball in. Yeah, no, and it, I mean, the thing is, they also just hit the post for the most part, too. <laughs> that's, that's what comes to mind whenever I think of Giroga, but... But yeah, that's something to keep an eye on for this weekend. Usually we'd have a little bit more of a longer extended episode here, but, uh, but Herc has to, has to head out in just a moment. I think we got about like 60 seconds here. But Herc, thanks once again for being such a good sport, for this being an honesty. This is our, our third recording of the morning. So once again, I, t- I told Herc I owe him at least a few beers because of this, because of all the issues. But Herc, <laughs> I am going to, just just because we do have like about 60 seconds left, I am going to sneak in one fan question, just because I am wondering about this myself, and I guess it's got to be a quick answer. We got one from, uh, I think you might know this account. They're called a Gloob Santos EN, and they ask, which was Herc's favorite league in his club to play for, and why was it Santos? Is it Santos? Is it another one? <laughs> Santos at Torreon is where I met my wife, and it's where I had an unbelievable time. They are definitely up there for me. True uh, and dear to my heart club. Uh, I had an unbelievable time at Santos, and for people who have never been to Torreon or La Comarca Lagunera, the neighboring towns that are in Torreon, it's uh, absolutely, uh, they breathe, live and breathe uh, for this football team, and it was a, a joy to play them, and I, I have got nothing but great memories.
I think that about wraps it up for us for our main part of the show. Many thanks to Hercules Gomez for joining me today and for being kind enough to share some of his insight. We'll take a quick break, and in just a minute, I'll be back to close the pod with my recent interview with Guerrero's Joe Gallardo. See you just a moment. Welcome back to the pod, and in our final segment today, I'm joined by Guerrero's Joe Gallardo. Joe is a 23-year-old forward from San Diego who recently made his league of debut in January, and last weekend, Joe scored an absolute golazo for Querétaro in their one-to-one draw with Puebla. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. And first off, congrats uh, on your first league of Mickey's goal. I mean, that was an incredible strike. Hey, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, very happy to to finally uh, score my first goal for the club. And, you know, hopefully I have more, more goals coming my way. So, very excited. Man, I got to... I mean, because I want to hear more about your career and whatnot, but I gotta, I gotta start with that goal because I want to hear your thought process before the goal. Because you don't find many players who'd be willing to take a chance from that distance, let alone a player who had just been substituted in a few minutes earlier. So was it because Budla's defense gave you too much space, or were you thinking, "Nah, I got this. I see an opening. I could take a shot from here." What was the thought process before that shot? Well, um, yeah, I didn't expect the Budla player to to miss the ball when he did I just reacted quick and when I got the ball I looked up and I saw the other their center backs backing up so I saw it created a lot of space for me and when I was started dribbling Valencia behind me was just screaming me uh to shoot and I was like all right like I just shot it and <laughs> thankfully like it went in I just, I've been pretty confident in training too with like practicing my shots um and I just wanted to make an impact when I went in. Uh, I just, because obviously coming in and off the bench, you have a little bit of time to prove yourself. So I wanted to, you know, at least uh, try and try and do something to impact the game. And thankfully my shot went in and it, it was a pretty special moment for me, um, which was pretty crazy too, because Valencia was the one that like told me, he's like, shoot, because he's always telling me in practice yeah. to shoot to and, and to dribble and stuff. So um, pretty cool that um, I got to celebrate my first goal with with uh, with Valencia, which is a pretty, pretty big name for well, all over in soccer. So, yeah, it's not often uh, that you hear about someone saying like, oh, like someone tell me, shoot. Oh, look at that. It's a former Manchester United star player telling me to shoot in a, an official League yeah. of Mekis match. So that's so that's very, very cool, especially for someone like you. I mean, we're we were. You know, t- talking for a couple minutes before we start recording, but you know, you're, you're from San Diego, you're a kid from City Heights. I know there's some, uh, you know, some listeners from the San Diego area who are well aware where City Heights is at. So mm-hmm. that must have been, that must be so fascinating. I mean, just, you know, you, how do you go from a kid from City Heights to, if I'm reading this right, you were, you were then uh, training with Monterrey's Youth Academy, right? How do they discover you? Yeah. Um. So I would go to Dallas Cup every year with nomads mm-hmm. and I we went one year I think it was maybe U12s U13s and we won it um I won it with nomads uh, the Dallas Cup and after that the the guy that watched me play he was one of the scouts from Monterrey and he would call my dad almost every day asking me to, to go to Monterrey and I was he my dad thought I was too young at the time I was probably like 13 something like that and it got to the point where like me and him made a decision of like if I really wanted um, soccer to be like my my profession so at the age of like 14 and a half 
um, I made the decision to, to sign with them. Um, and I signed right before I turned, no, right when I turned 15, I signed with Monterrey. So I was there for three years. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I, and I know, you know, I think that's something that is important to talk about in your career, because we can talk about Liga Mekis, you know, now your time at Querétaro, but something I want to ask you is about your time in USL, because before arriving in Querétaro, you know, you, you played with the Richmond Kickers, you played with other, a couple of the teams over there, because mm-hmm. I think it's important to talk about USL, because if I have to be very honest, I didn't really follow USL closely until the last couple of years. And I think mm-hmm. people would be surprised at the very high level of play that you see within that league and that you clearly experienced as well. Yeah. No, I mean, when I when I left uh, Monterrey, um, Orlando City, I signed with Orlando City B and mm-hmm. they they were really interested. So I went there and I saw a lot of my, my teammates from national team that were signing to that league. So um, I just feel like there's there's a lot of, talent that can come out of that league just because there's a lot of MLS affiliates and and all that and a lot of young players um, that have a lot of potential um, and I feel like if uh, you have the right people around you it could help you out a lot to play in a league with with grown men and I feel like that's how I saw it um, and thankfully when I went to Richmond I had my my breakthrough season with mm-hmm. them and it helped me out a lot with with my career to get to where I am right now. I mean, hey, that experience in USL really, I mean, already paid off for Guerrero with that recent goal. And and that's actually yeah. an interesting thought that comes to mind for me because, you know, as opposed to moving up to MLS, do you think there are some hidden gems or talents like yourself in USL that could instead look towards League of Equis as a step forward, you know, as opposed to maybe a, a route that many others would expect to MLS? Yeah, um, I feel like Liga MX is um, a really good, a really good league. Um, I've always watched it since I was little, and I always, honestly, it was always a dream for me to play in this league. Um, I think there's a lot of young players that you know that could look at this route because honestly, like since I've been here, I feel like I've grown so much as a soccer player in just a little bit of time that I've been here. Um, I don't know. I just feel like people live. Um, like Mexicans, like coaches, everyone, they live soccer differently here. Mm-hmm. Like they live it. So for me, sometimes I, I kind of miss that because I experienced Mexico for three years and then I experienced USL and I kind of noticed a difference. Right. Um, and I just feel like, I don't know, I really, lo- I really love um, all the stuff I can learn here in Mexico and like all the stuff I have learned. So um, I, I would, I would recommend for, a lot of young players, if they really want to grow on their level when they're young, to come to Mexico. Because those three years that I was at Monterrey, I feel like it helped me out a lot. Um, I feel like I grew as a player faster than other players my age, just because I feel like it's a different, um, I don't know, just different environment, like learning environment, which is better for soccer players. It's interesting. You mentioned there, I mean, I think a lot of us Mexican-Americans like uh, watch Liga Mekis growing up, but were there certain players that you like idolize when you're watching Liga Mekis? Were there certain teams that you're rooting for? I mean, maybe you don't have to openly say which teams you're rooting for since you're playing for what now, but I don't yeah. know, who, who, who did you idolize? Um, well, I would, I would honestly, I would watch um, America a lot. Okay, um, okay. Because my dad was always a fan, so 
I would always uh, watch America, and I liked watching them because Guatemo Blanco was of one of their top players yeah. at the time, and I just had a lot of, I don't know, it was fun watching um, America Chivas rivalries too because Chivas had a good team when I was younger too, so it was like always a good like matchup. So um, yeah, watching Liga MX since I was little, that's what made me always want to play in that league growing up because. Um, just the way the games were played and like it was insane. I like I would like watching Puerto Blanco, um, Cabañas, yeah. like one of the top players there um, when I was watching them growing up. I mean, Blanco, so, Blanco could probably still play for some league of teams right now if he really wanted to, but <laughs> he seems that good. But but yeah. but you know one thing I want to uh, I want to talk about and it because it's something I always find fascinating and it's not just for soccer reasons but to see you know fellow Mexican-Americans joined Liga Mekis clubs. And it was interesting because earlier in the pod, I was talking to Hercules Gomez about this and unfortunately had some technical issues. The audio didn't make the final edit, but it was interesting hearing him talking about, about still needing to transition to Mexican life and still needing to perfect his Spanish despite having experience in Cruz Azul's youth academy. So have you had a little bit of a slight culture shock or a slight little like transition needed, you know, when moving back to Mexico or has it been an easy transition? Um, no, I feel like it's been an easy, easy transition for okay. me just because, I mean, since I was young, my parents taught me Spanish, so I never really had trouble with um, speaking it or any of that stuff. But uh, those three years that I was in Monterrey kind of helped me out a lot with that. Right, so right. Um, I kind of learned more of the culture and how, how it is around here so when I got here it was pretty um I kind of missed it to be honest <laughs> I don't know it's just a different environment it's 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 a good one uh I just feel like the way players um get along in, in Mexico is different but it's 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 good like I like it Interesting. um Interesting. yeah so so let's let's talk Querétaro now I mean I've got just a few more questions here and more specific, I mean, you, you mentioned him earlier, so we have to bring him up. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about, you know, Antonio Valencia, you know, this former Manchester United star and what he brings to the team. You know, he's one of the biggest additions in Liga Mackey's in recent years. So I'd be interested in hearing how he's like on the training gown, you know, off the field or as a teammate. Is he constantly telling you to shoot from distance? Because if so, I, you're going to have some golosos, more golosos this season, I guess. <laughs> no, well, obviously, it's it's an honor to play with a player with so much experience and that has played at such a high level and I feel like we were all motivated to play to play with him and he's a very humble guy he just brings positivity out to the team and he just wants wants to win every game he's very competitive and um I feel like um he's really good at giving advice like in training sometimes he's telling me to to dribble more to to take chances to have more um what's it called more confidence mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know he's he's just very a very good teammate and um a very very humble person um and i just feel like he he came here to to still prove that he still got it in him and he i don't know he's just a very competitive guy and super super good person outside the field as well what about your manager uh, hector alta mirano i mean you don't have to discuss his exact playbook obviously he doesn't want to mm. talk about that but what are mm. some of the tactics or ideas he likes to focus on in training that have been able to make Caretaro, you know right now you know mid-table playoff contender you know looks like they're, they mm -hmm. could potentially be heading to the playoffs um yeah he's a very good coach on, on motivating us he 
he always uh he's always pushing us you know to compete with the highest teams and he um he's he i like that he's uh, very attacking minded too mm-hmm. um and uh i just like him uh, a lot as a coach he gives you a lot of confidence as a player and and he he wants you to believe in yourself as much as he believes in you so um i feel like he's a really good coach and i've learned a lot from him since i've been here fascinating and i just got one more question here um and i wonder what comes to mind for you when you think of your goals this season or what you want to accomplish you know what what do you want to accomplish in your first tournament in liga mekis um well yeah i have i i I obviously, like, as myself as a player, I, I try and set out goals for the season. And one of those goals was to score my first goal in Liga Mekis. Thankfully, that, that's happened already. Um, but other goals for me is um, I want to make playoffs with this team. And I, I really do believe that, that we can make that happen. We just got to um, stay positive and keep working hard. And, and I just want to make an impact in this league and and hopefully get recognized more and, and get my uh, starting starting spot on this team and just keep fighting um, to get in that starting lineup. And, um, you know, I just want to grow as a player each each season. So um, that's, that's pretty much um, all that matters to me is that I grow as a player each year and that I can get better. Excellent stuff. Thanks so much, Joe, for taking some time to chat with me today. And Joe, any of our listeners want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Yeah, of course. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to being on, on the podcast. Um, My Instagram is joegallardo7, and my Twitter is um, jgallardo98 underscore 7. Nice, nice. So that was San Diego's Joe Gallardo, who's currently a striker with Guerrero and Liga Mekis. And uh, that's for me, that about wraps it up. Many thanks to Hercules Gomez from earlier today, uh, to Joe Gallardo, to producer Amy, and to the listeners. Don't forget to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Show and on Instagram at The Mexican Soccer Show. Thanks again. And until next time, we'll see you on the next episode. See you guys around.